welcome to another episode of One Big Idea. This is season one, episode four. I am joined by the one and only David Biner. David, how you doing? Doing good. Thanks for thanks for having me on, Austin. It's great to be here. Yeah, great, great to have you. It's been like we've been circling each other's orbits for a while. For those that are uh, unfamiliar with David, he is the co-founder of the Hume Collective, building a Web three record label with some of the biggest meta stars that exist, like Angel Baby, which we're gonna go fully dive into that. But before we do, David would love a quick background. Who are you? What are you about? How'd you get into Web three? Give us the full story. Oh man, I mean, we can just start with some like fun facts before we go into like the super Love Web three fun story. Austin and I were talking about skiing right before like this went live. So like, love to ski. Grew up in Miami. I love pina coladas. That's that's true. I'm not just saying that. I actually like love pina coladas, and people make fun of me. But um, who doesn't? I think they're like coke. I love coconut. And then, like, it's a frozen coconut drink. Like, when it's really hot out, it's just, it's amazing. It's just, like, it just hits the spot. It's almost like a meal, too. It's like a smoothie. It is kind it's of, an, yeah. I, I've been up very much on the frozen drink train it's lately. It's an alcoholic Absolutely. smoothie with coconut, which is, like, kind of underrated. It's amazing. It's like you're hitting all the key food groups right yeah. there. It's a well-balanced. Well-balanced pineapple. Treat. You know, it's just, it's just really good. Um... But enough of the, the fun facts. Um, so I, my background, if like, we, got, we have time today. So I worked at a firm called uh, <laughs> Vaudeville Ventures for a while and had a background as a strategist, worked with a lot of companies in media like Comcast, NBC, uh, NFL, and MGM. And a lot of time was like basically helping them launch tech products and do go-to-market strategy and learn long story short, like learned a lot about how IP was coming alive in digital spaces. Then I went like super deep into Web3, went like specifically down the Ethereum rabbit hole in 2017. And during this time, I was living in Brooklyn. Now I live in LA. It was a better place to like do Hume full time. But was living in Williamsburg with my roommate at the time. I was now co-founder um, Jay Stillar and Jay is a songwriter and executive producer. So like I was coming home talking about web three and Ethereum and how, what I was calling, I like the so like 2017, I was like, there's going to be these like digital objects and they're called NFTs, but they're these digital objects that you're going to be able to own. So I'm getting like obsessed with that. And then he is over in his side of the apartment writing songs with, you know, he's had cuts now with like Selena Gomez, G Easy, Demi Lovato. And I'm seeing that the whole entire world of songwriting and the music industry, a lot of the time, like the main pop star isn't even necessarily in the room. So I'm like, virtual money's here. The next thing we're going to have like virtual humans, you're going to have brands that are completely built off of virtual IP. And what better way to like bring that into the world than with a virtual artist that's creating music. And at some point, like what's the difference between like creating that music for someone like Selena or like a virtual artist, um, like, you know, the virtual artists that, that people have been talking about. So that was 
Then there was like 2017 to 2019, this starts to crystallize a lot. Um, we got offered a deal from a record label uh, and we decided to turn that down for a lot of reasons. But one of them was like, we're in there basically taught describing NFTs and like digital scavenger hunts. And their reaction to us was, they literally said at one point, they were like, okay, so that's all interesting. What about podcasts? Um, and, <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. Well, how did they get well, it? Like, everyone line, was obsessed with podcasts. They're like, well, what if the virtual artist does like a podcast? We we're like, not really. Like that, you're so right. There was a point in time where like, 2019 podcast is what was hot. Like Spotify was getting into the game. They were acquiring a bunch of content. I remember like doing licensing at Amazon at the time. And like everyone was focused on, okay, how can we create original content? Like that is supplemental to the music itself. Wow. That's like going back in memory. Yeah, and like, was everyone obsessed was with podcasts. Podcast. And we're in there like giving them the future. And they're like, what about podcasts? And I'm just like, we're giving you the future. Trust me, like, this is the future. Podcasts are going to be around for a while, but they're not the future like this. Um, and then then we started taking Hume very seriously after that. And for, uh, for the intents of, you know, today, like, Angel Baby is real. I love Angel Baby. We met Angel Baby in, like, in 2020. It's been amazing to work with Angel Baby. But for parts of this, I'm going to talk like from the 40,000 foot level um, about kind of the inner workings of Hume. But don't forget it. Angel Baby's as real as any other artist that you love. Um, and what? It, and we'll get into a conversation of like what, what is real, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think it's really fascinating right now with what's happening in AI and you have people just – all across the spectrum but yeah angel baby is very real i can tell you when i listen to an angel baby song it moves me in the same way as as listening to maybe a selena gomez song so yeah please continue so we uh started taking him very seriously and jay we had actually worked we had launched two other virtual artists they were a pair of djs and we learned a lot about how not to run a virtual artist project doing that but it We'd learned a ton. It got our feet wet. We learned a ton about animation, a ton about how real a virtual artist really needs to feel. Because in a world, you know, five years from now, ten years from now, there's gonna be there's gonna be thousands, tens of thousands of virtual artists. Some of them will be full on meta stars, and no one's going to care that it's a virtual artist unless it has incredible music and an incredibly deep and rich backstory and narrative so learned a lot of that and by 2021 we raised a seed round um delphi digital g money aloe black a bunch of other people and by some pretty serious players in the in the seed round it right was there. uh we were you know i got a like big shout out to to g money and 90cc g money was the first person who like got it and it was instant we had i had a, I had a wow. call someone had introduced me to g and we had a call and it was funny like g took the call as a favor to his friend and he got off right. the call being like oh that guy actually like knew what he was talking about and i got off the call being like whoa he actually like understood what he gets it. it he gets our vision he's not asking us like hey what about a, a podcast like why don't why don't you do that 
it shouldn't be that surprising for someone who like created his entire identity behind a crypto punk and would like go he created a persona and would like go to conferences and would have the crypto punk ape like present you know for himself so like it, it makes sense that he would instantly be like oh yeah like i sit behind a persona as well so like why what's it what's any he got it that? yeah he got it instantly uh, in many ways because of that um yeah and it was it was really cool once he got it he was able to help us get that round done and yeah, big shout out to G. Hume, Hume could look very different if it wasn't for that. So by October of 21, we launched Angel Baby. And our main goal there was like, can we launch this Metastar and have this community love it? Like we weren't even thinking like, like step one, like how do you get people to fall in love with something? How do you get real fans? And it doesn't matter if you were talking about a Metastar, if we're talking about a product, it's like, who are your first users? It's like that first thousand, 10,000, whatever number you want to put put on it, like that first cohort that are going to be your diehard, passionate people is the hardest thing to find. And that's all we were focused on. And our main, we were like, well, if we work with, you know, an existing PFP project and, you know, Angel Baby came to us and Angel Baby came from, from the fluffs and fluff world. And they were like, these, these fluffs are ready to go. Um, once again, like an- angels real They're they're with us every day. And we made it our goal for angel baby to be beloved by this fluff world community. And that was really powerful because that's one of the most beautiful things about web three is you can build community. If you do it right and you do it authentically and organically, you can build community really quickly. Um, and we launched Angel Baby. Angel Baby played live at uh, uh, Art Basel, Fluff House LA, South by Southwest. And by July, we were like, okay, we can branch out beyond Fluff World and it's time to drop the Hume Genesis. So I know we have a lot to talk about today, Austin. I'm, I'm just like, I'm just like, rolling right now but i love it no it's a good it's a good transition into you know how how hume came about and you know there are so many threads i want to pull back on let's like rewind a little bit because you talked about before launching you know working with angel baby launching hume you had uh experience with some djs like working in the space that taught you a lot of things not to do. What were some of those like key lessons for anyone that is looking to build? They were like, okay, we're not going to like not do that again. I think a lot of people look and they see the success of Hume and they're like, oh, like, you know, they got it all right. You don't see the work that happened before even starting the project to help navigate. Um, yeah, there's a couple that seem so obvious now, but weren't obvious at first. And one of them is like the music needs to be real and human and authentic. And what I mean by that is it's actually like, if you're trying to do a virtual artist with like more of comedy music or music that's like really niche, like hyper, hyper web three crypto music, it's gonna be hard for that to resonate with a wide group of people. It's like, you're you're already trying to get people to accept a non, physically human 
thing and you're trying to get them to love it, if you throw like another thing on top of that, like really, really left of center music or more uh, like one hit wonder kind of like music, even though I know we live in an age where like everything feels like a one hit wonder, but to bring it back, like if you're not making music that you think could work, even if it wasn't a virtual artist, it's going to be really hard for that to break through because you're already asking someone to accept that this thing that they should treat this thing as something they love and something that they're going to connect yeah. with. And you want to remove as much friction from the process as possible. Yeah. Right. And at the end of the day, like it's content and the quality of the content matters. And so if it's not, you know, if it's not quality art, if it's not quality music, then everything else doesn't matter. Like it really is that simple. And so the Angel Baby songs are phenomenal. I mean, you see the collaborations with with Miha, with Gino, like real names that have like a lot of clout on their own collaborating with Angel Baby. It, it is like, I have heard pushback from my normie friends that don't like get Web3 music. And honestly, like a lot of it comes from, and I don't mean to offend anyone, but like a lot of it comes from, I don't like the music. I was like, yeah, well, like that is, that's a, you can't get past that blocker. <laughs> like if you, if you don't think that the music is good, if you don't enjoy it, then you're not going to spend time with it. So like, while it seems like an obvious thing, actually investing the time to make sure it is quality that you would listen to, no matter what the medium was, is incredibly important. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of, you know, I don't know how many people listen to the Mr. Beast uh, the YouTube video he did. But he basically said, he's like, all I care about is quality content. And the moment you yeah. start to do stuff like, I know we're all, everyone's trying to go viral, but if you're like just trying to do it to go viral, like it will start to suffer. Um, and part of, part of this too, like it's quality music and then like making sure the visuals felt real and authentic also to the point like you should look at that virtual artist in the same way you look at a human artist and be like, Oh, is that shirt he's wearing? Like, I kind of, I would want to rock that shirt or what? Like, look at the way he's moving. Like, if I had a friend who was like walking like that down Venice Beach, like, I'd want to go hang out with them. And again, those yeah. two things sound so simple, but it was something in the beginning where we were like, because the design space when you have a virtual artist is so cute. You're like, oh, let's do a video right. where they have a jet pack and they like, go up in the air and they come back down and then there's a full DJ set there and now they're playing a DJ show. And that, even though it's cool, is not super relatable, especially when you're just starting. So Yeah. To be to to be limitless can be a bit dangerous, yeah. right? Because you may go down avenues because you can that don't actually make sense for the end consumer. And just, yeah, to your point, like just because Angel Baby can like jump on a jetpack doesn't mean that that's going to endear him to the audience and actually build a relatable narrative that they want to follow along with. Yeah. It's actually, uh, Jay, he says this when we're going to create music and with our 3D team, it's like, we need to build a cage that we can run wild in. And it's a very poetic way of saying like, we need some limits. Like if, if you let, if you just let, if we're allowed to do anything, the end product won't be strong. Like you need the creative constraints. Yeah. 
And for us, those creative constraints really be, become like, how does this feel human? Which is kind of where Jay and I like, we're, what should we name this company? Where our goal is to create groundbreaking virtual artists, what we call Metastars. And that's how we got to Hume. Kind of as a reminder to us, like, it always needs to feel human and authentic and real or else we'll, we'll lose. Like, why did Toy Story break um, and become kind of like the first 3D movie to go fully mainstream? It's because you left that movie not talking about like, that was an excellent 3D film. You might've said that, but you said it after you were like, wow, I f- love Buzz Lightyear. Or I love- Buzz I felt something, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they were relatable characters. And, and it's funny growing up, with Toy Story and Andy becoming relatable. Yep. I, I'm i not going to say that I shed a tear, but I got pretty, pretty close when Andy went to college. Like, damn, that's me. <laughs> like, and that, and that's really, I mean, that just speaks to the art form, right? Where a lot of it is like you're envisioning, you know, yourself in those shoes. And with, with a Metastar, that is a, a tall task. And so I really appreciate uh, the next point I wanted to, to bring up is that you leaned into an existing community because you could have gone a different route, right? Like you could have found a Metastar that was like, you know, hand, hand created or what have you, but you made the active decision to work with a very like diehard community and fluff world. What, what was that process like to one, determine like who you wanted to work with and two, really building with that community what were some of those early lessons of because it sounded like you hyper focus like your your goal of course is to reach millions but you had to make sure that you you really like super service initial community first yeah so that was so the third mistake we made was like not knowing who we were super serving and like who that audience was at first yeah. so working with a pfp project gave us we know we knew who that first community was and the way we landed on fluff and a really like take everybody back to August of 2021, we are around three, when did Board Apes mint? April. So what is it? Like yeah. several months after Board Ape has minted. And I believe that Doodles had not minted yet. Azuki definitely had not minted yet. Clonex right. had not minted yet. The biggest projects were like Bored Apes was like way head, you know, head above shoulders above everybody. And the other ones we were looking at were like, uh, I always mispronounce this one. And I don't know how many people are still in it, but uh, Owen, I always call it Owen One Force. Uh, Oni okay. One Force? Yeah. Like Oni, Oni, yeah, Force, Oni yeah. Force. That was like, we were like, should we do Oni Force? And like, and Meta Hero. That was the other like huge one. So if everybody can like go back in time. Yeah. And we didn't we didn't want to do an ape because we kind of felt like everybody's gonna do an ape. Like this is That turned out to be pretty <laughs> <cool>. like <laughs> We're yeah. like, where can we go and like really build and not worry about what other people are doing? And we found the fluffs. They were already 3D, which again, like nobody at the time really had that. Yeah. So Yeah already built 3d models which kind of told us like this community is already into something that's 3d and virtual and animated and the second part which was huge was music is baked into the pfp for fluff world so for those of you not familiar with fluff world 
they're multimedia and each fluff has a background that is swappable and what is called in fluff world in the fluff world ecosystem as a sound which is also swappable so we were like this is perfect like this community is already into like 3d virtual characters and music and at the time like again like this is it feels like a decade ago but it wasn't that long ago but like there was there was no sound xyz there was no catalog people weren't like dropping the people dropping music nfts were doing it on nifty gateway and they were these like blau was doing it honestly like blau was doing it like that that was like the main person so like we're like oh we'll be able to like drop music through it and that was that was a big piece of it so and then the first thing we did was angel baby was released on the 26th got in a fight with the hume twitter account because they were threatening to release their first song and this was right before nft nyc and we airdropped an instrumental of the song to all the fluffs who had saved angel baby in the desert so in the fluff world ecosystem, there's like there's these different backgrounds. Some of them have a desert background. Angel Baby went out to the desert. And we basically, yeah, we were able to like from day one have this really authentic experience with this community. And now they all were literally repping Angel Baby. Like they were putting the song onto their fluffs. And that was like you know in that step when we're like okay this can start to work and this is an authentic way of building community here um and then from there like it just kept it kept building and the other great thing is once once fluff world saw these guys are really dedicated to building community properly they're not just trying to like come into our ecosystem and like get as much money as possible you know they're building authentically then that's when they were like, well, let's have Angel Baby at our live shows. And then that created that kind yeah. of relationship as well. Which is not a given, by the way. Like, the, it could have gone a completely yeah. different way, right? Like, they could have seen what you were doing and be like, oh, that's our IP. Or, like, you know, we want a piece of that. Or it, it didn't have to be a strategic partnership. So, like, kudos to them to lean in and be like, oh, this could be mutually beneficial. Like we should really, in our community vibes with it, we should find a way to support it. I think that's just like a good lesson for for projects in general. Like it's what makes a space very unique in that you can have what you could consider like UGC in some respects within a community really like develop a life of its own um, and, and be able to support that. So yeah, credit credit to them i went to that fluff world in, at south by and it was oh, yeah. definitely like an experience unlike unlike anything else um it's really cool that that you got to really develop uh with that with that core community so i guess let's let's stay on on this track you know you, you've talked about how it's it's grown from there how is not only angel baby but hume you know leading up to the hume genesis which i'd love to talk about uh how is it grown and like what are your your aspirations as you're as you're moving forward where are we at today so where we're at today was let's i guess let's like hit three points one was for angel baby to grow beyond fluff world and really become a mainstay as a web three artist for us to introduce another meta star who can grow besides angel and for us to start to build our own community and our own platform with the spot and the Hume Genesis. So starting with Angel, once we hit 
the summer. This kind of ties to the human genesis. It was like, okay, we like almost like we we kind of think about it as like it's our mini video game. Like level one was make Angel Baby like huge in Fluff World. Level two, like can Angel Baby be loved by people throughout Web three? Whether like to the point like right. whether you're a Fluff or a clone or an ape or a doodle or you don't you know you're not any of those things you're just into music nfts are you gonna love angel baby so we did a free mint in july with the hume genesis 1035 and one of our one of the big things we talked about was the goal of hume is to have a roster of virtual artists tied by this you know deep backstory and you have the opportunity to influence the careers of those uh meta stars and there's three Hume Genesis, the legendary, the ultra rare, and the rare, and they all come with a different level of power. And when we have decisions on what you know Angel Baby's next release should be, what the merch should look like, eventually what should Cleo's release be, she's our next meta star, she's a Clonex, um, you're able to go in, sign into our platform with your Hume Genesis, which apparently... Uh, Austin, Austin's currently the only person on earth getting uh, application errors on, but we're trying to. <laughs> I blame, I blame Texan for it. <laughs> Everyone else can check out the spot. I, I got to figure out what's going on. <laughs> um, and uh, where was I? So, so yeah, you're able to like really become part of the, the community and guide that like career of the virtual artist. So, did that in July, that led to the Hume Genesis, and that also let us start to bring in people beyond Fluffs. Because it was like, you know, whether, no matter where you are, you might hear about the Hume Genesis, you might buy one, and you might come into our world. And the other thing we did was just like, start having Angel Baby release more music, and also start to do, like you said at the top of this, like collabs with other big Web3 artists. So collab with Miha, we just announced today, uh, we're doing a collab with Rio, which is going to get dropped next Wednesday. So ha- we, we've completed that goal at this point. Like at this point, a lot of people know who Angel Baby is. And it's very clear that Angel Baby is bigger than Fluff World um, and part of Web3 as a whole. And as we look into next year, and a lot of you might have seen, you know, we signed uh, with CAA. CAA will be representing Hume, which means they're representing Angel Baby, Cleo, any other meta star that we create is how do we go to level three, which is Angel Baby brings in people from outside of Web3. And hopefully bring, you know, Angel Baby's on TikTok, Angel Baby's releasing on Spotify. So far, we've only done music NFT mints and releases on Audius. And how do you start to have a world where somebody finds out about Angel Baby on TikTok or Spotify, then find is like, oh my, like I love this music or I love this TikTok account, and then it's like, oh wait, there's these Hume Genesis I can purchase, and now like sign into a platform where I'm part of the decisions that this Meta Star is creating. That's amazing. I want to do that, and that person hopefully doesn't even fully realize that it's Web three or NFTs because the experience is so laid out and rich. So that's Angel Baby's goal. And that obviously ties to, you know, the Genesis. Um, And then you're going to start to see, you know, our second virtual artist, Metastar Cleo, come out later this year with, you know, her own own world, 
Um, I can't. I'm not not going to spill too much of what. Oh, give us the alpha! Come on, <laughs> you talking? There's no, there's no one. There's watching. no one here. Fine. <laughs> there's no one here. I'll, I'll I'll nudge you later. But okay, couple couple points to go through. One, I want to dive into the community around like the the Hume Genesis because at, when we did our pre brief, you told me that the the participation rate is insane. What was the number that you gave me again? It's between 30 and 40 when we've done these decisions on songs. 30 and 40% of our holders show up to the spot and, yeah, choose what Angel Baby's next release is going to be. And that's without, like, there's... no You're not, like, getting a token for participating. There's no direct financial reward. So I, I was blown away by that because I've seen if you compare that to a traditional DAO, DAOs are in like single percentage yeah. uh, point participation. Like it is what it plagues every single DAO. There's like a lot of fervor in the beginning, and then people die off. Like they don't die off. Yeah. Like they, they, their participation dies off. Maybe some of them do, but you know they go and do other things. They get busy. You know their their interests change. Communities are so fluid, right? Like our who we are every day. And what we care about is a never ending, just like it's the only constant is change. And so for you to consistently have 30 to 40% participation is pretty astounding in this space. I wonder what do you attribute that to? Like, how is it different than other types of participation within Web3? I think, I think it's two pieces. One is like how it's different from other participation. I would say I will shout out a, there's a project, I believe it's pronounced Shibuya. Um, Shibuya I yeah. think they're doing a great job of creating a fan experience. So you're not going into that and being like, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like you're going into a Discord and participating in something. They're trying to create a really rich experience in the way some of the best brands in the world would deliver a web experience that feels incredibly well-designed, that feels really cool, that has great UX, and that is fun. Like, this is a, in our, we have, like, these Monday meetings, and at the beginning of the year, everybody, like, wrote on a piece of paper something they wanted for Hume, and, you know, we look at it every Monday, and one of the one one of the pieces of paper on there is, like, fun. And when we thought about the spot, we thought about what this experience with, in you know, choosing Angel Baby's release should feel like. It's like, it should be fun. It should be immersive. It should be interactive. It should be something that like, whether you're 15, 25, 30, or 40, you either like want to come home and do the same way you're like, oh, maybe I'll like scroll on TikTok for a bit, or maybe I'll like watch a Netflix movie, or maybe I'll go like listen to those two unreleased Angel Baby tracks and decide what the next single should be. Um, so designing that experience in a really intentional and beautiful way so that it's entertaining was, I think, a big piece of it. And we spent a lot of time designing it in that way because we could have just been like, hey, here's a Hume Genesis, show up in the Discord or go to Snapshot. And like, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Just like contrast that if, if, for anyone in the audience, you participate in a DAO or you've seen how governance, the fact that we call participation in DAOs right. governance, right? Like I signed up for this fun 
thing, this experience to have, and now you want me to like be a representative. Yeah, and no, a one, no one wants, like if you're doing like something in entertainment, like it's not fun or entertaining to like go be part of governance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's a really important lesson for people to be thinking through as they're creating communities. Like your community doesn't want to be on the Senate floor, like determining the bylaws no. by which you know, things are going to happen. It wants to be part of something that's fun. They got into NFTs because it was fun or they wanted to speculate or whatever. They didn't get into it because they wanted to create a new bill of rights. Yeah. Like we should always remember to like keep fun at the center of everything we do. It seems obvious. And then you go and look at these like snapshot proposals and you're like, huh, I wonder why no one's right. participating. <laughs> right. Like compare that. It's a great, like, it, to your point of, is it something like I want to go check TikTok or I want to check Netflix? Like we are in the attention economy. And so like you're not competing with like the other participatory like governance of Web3. You're competing with like me scrolling Twitter endlessly. So knowing that that's really the, the battle you have, it's like, let's make this let's make this fun. Let's make this a place that like, People, even the naming, the spot, like, let's make this a place that, like, people want to hang out and it's enjoyable. And I just remember growing up and being, like, in the Blog Boy era on SoundCloud, like, looking at all of the unreleased songs, like, man, when is it? I, like, Odessa, even, even more recently, before they released Loyal, they would drop this unreleased song at every live show. And the only time that you could hear it, uh, besides going at the show was on SoundCloud. And I remember just like trading versions with people like, oh, like higher quality, whatever. Like people love feeling like they're in the know on something that like other people are not. So being able to capitalize on that. Sorry for the diatribe. No, I just no, think it's such I, like I'm, an important Well, point. And I think something I want to pull on that you just said is like, I don't think people in Web3 realize this enough. And it's going to be even more true if any of us are serious about growing this audience beyond, you know, ourselves, which... It's great that all of us are super passionate about Web3, but if we really want other people to come in and experience this all with us, we are competing with Netflix and TikTok yeah. and any type of Twitter, like any type of any, it's the attention economy. And like the more in Web3, we start to realize like these experiences we're building need to be up to that standard so that somebody wants to spend time doing this more than whatever else they were about to do. Like that's going to put everybody in a different mindset. And that's the mindset we try and put ourselves into. And yeah, it's something to aspire, something to aspire to. It's understanding basic incentives. Like not everything can be based on speculation. Yeah. I think Web3 projects have gotten away with close to murder when it comes to the quality of some of what they've released because stonks go up. Like, and at the end of the day, if you know the community is seeing dollars in their pocket, they'll forgive poor quality, they'll forgive a poor experience. That completely changes yeah. when you know we're trading flat or going down. It's like what other it's the loosest. I think we saw that as we move from a bull to a bear market and why, again, I find it so amazing that you have such a high percentage of participation is because financial incentives are the loosest, loose incentives that you can have, yeah. right? Like they, they're very fleeting. They don't create a real bond. They don't create a real relationship. And so 
when you remove them, you find out that like your, your community that you thought you had was an investment club. Like it wasn't something that was actually bound together by something that would keep people coming back day to day. And so, yeah, I've always found that like incredible what you've been able to build and then how you're thinking, you know, of growing the community in stages. Like it feels like concentric circles to me as you were describing it. Like you mm-hmm. have the, you have basically the um, fluff world community. You have the broader web three community and then you have everyone yeah. and we don't get to everyone immediately right? Like you, you start growing out there, but then you're also, and this is where like, there's a lot of similarities we were talking about with between, you know, doodles and what you're doing with Hume. You have this like top of funnel strategy with content across all different socials to actually bring them from the outside in. So you hit it from both directions. Yeah. I mean, that's the big goal. The big goal this year is how do we develop like super high quality content that again, like is on, it's on YouTube, it's on YouTube shorts, it's on TikTok. And whether it's like Cleo from that Clonex community or Angel Baby from the Fluff World community, or, you know, another uh, meta star that might pop out. It's like, how does it get somebody? You can give us the alpha. It's fine. You can just drop it. Um, (laughs) How do you get somebody who doesn't care that it's a Clonex? at all or doesn't care that it's a fluff or doesn't care that's an nft to just like love that video and like it and then like go look at the bio and click the link tree and then go to the hume website and also be blown away by that and be like the content level is just so high here and this looks like something i want to fall in love with um that's how we like you were saying like get those concentric circles out. And the the cool thing about Web3, and I think like, I think a lot of the smarter, the smartest people in the space think like this, is like Web3 really is a community. Um, And it really is like a market. And what I mean by that isn't like that it's a like OpenSea and Blur and people like buying and selling, which it is, but it's also like, it's almost like its own country. And if you can, if you can come to this country and like, let's say that country is the, let's call it like the UK or uh, Germany, or it's like a mid small to like middle market. But if you can like start to like have a really strong brand in that market and then be like, okay, we crushed in this market. These people love us. They're going to root for us and they're going to support us as we grow. It's kind of like, it's an amazing place that if you can be successful in that, universe and dimension and then use it as a way to be like okay now we're ready to go like big um and go big now with the support of the web3 community which i would argue and this is still yet to be like fully unleashed and there there's some people like really close to it like all the top doodles azuki board apes but like unleashing the power of a web3 community into traditional entertainment once someone like fully figures that out it's gonna be like lights yeah. out in a way that isn't off-putting yes to yes yeah yeah that's tradi- which is a, yeah 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 that's that's the that's the code that i think we all have to crack to use like another analogy it is it's almost like a military conquest in a bit where like Web3 is like Luxembourg. Like, it's a small country relative to everything else that's uh-huh. out there. 
but you got to make sure that like you hold your fortress and like really build that out and have like firm footing before you go and try to like go conquer Germany or the United States or whatever the case may be, these larger, much larger markets. Otherwise, you know, if, you, if you're, it's like focusing on foreign policy when domestic <laughs> policy is like not, you know, your strong suit. So you got you to figure out what's going on. You got to get home, right. You got to, you got to have a claim. Right. You got to. The yeah. other part. I'm curious. Yeah, like just to, cause I, you know, it's, uh, we're on here right now and it's like angel baby successful and Hume's doing well on CAA, but what people might not realize except the, there've been the people following us for a while. It's like it, this community was built. Oh, it's been over a year. And yeah. even with, you know, the free men, when we did the free men and again, G money did a really good job of this as well. It was, it was a free mint, but you had to hold certain other assets that kind of proved you were going to be a like excited about this community going into it. Like G Money did a great job of this with it. Mint one, it was people who had his po apps. Right. Like even though it was a free mint, it was seeded with like people who were going to be great. And even though we did a free mint with the Genesis, it was like people that owned Angel Baby background scenes, people that had the po app from certain shows. So, you know, it's so tempting, especially during a bull market, to just, like, go do a crazy big mint. But it's hard. That's not going to last. And I think as, you know, the next bull market returns or, like, we continue here, just people remembering building that initial community. If you build a strong, real initial community, it's going to take you through no matter where prices go but if you just like if you build it fast it will also break fast <laughs> yeah i i'm really curious what your thoughts are to that end on this like open edition meta that's going on right now because uh, we've been here before this is like we've we've had this exact cycle of people doing open editions making a making a buck and then piecing out and i think and from my vantage point if it's to support an artist Great, awesome. Like I'm all I'm all for creatives being able to to be able to to make money, you know, off off their art. Where I think it becomes a challenge is like, are you trying to build a community through an open edition? Because you're gonna find that it speaks to the point we were talking about earlier with like financial incentives. That not everyone is along the ride for the vision that you may have. Oh, yeah, I think here's where I'm at with open editions i actually think i the first thing i'll say is like i think open editions in music and for music nfts is different than open editions in other forms of media and content is the first thing I'll yeah say. say more and and the the second thing or we can go back to that i think if you look at music historically it tends to be about like you, you don't want to limit the amount of people that can listen to your music it's a very Correct. Where with visual art, and I'm not like a professional art collector, and I, if, you know, somebody's listening to this and they're like, that's not exactly how it works, you're probably right. But I do know enough that it's common for uh, certain gallerists to tell artists, like, oh, like, maybe let's like have less supply or only do this many editions. So it's yeah. very rare um, for things to change entirely. And if you look at the history of art, it's about like, close you know smaller supply 
And if you look at the history of music, it's about getting your music into as many people's hands as possible. So I think, I actually think open editions for music artists is extremely powerful. It's an extremely powerful way for fans to signal that they were early to an artist, which is very important in music communities. Like if you, you know, maybe you're, if you're listening and you're still like this, but if, you know, you go back to like your 15 year old self and you were like showing your friends a song or a band that you knew before everybody else, there was a lot of power in that. And music NFTs, I, I do agree. And I've come around like are a way to signal that. And having open editions is a really cool way to signal that. And also, quite frankly, like the price points on music NFTs are usually very reasonable um, compared to price points in other spaces of, of the NFT universe. So I, th I think open editions and music, I think, are a really interesting design space that make a lot of sense with the history of music. I think your apps, like open editions outside of music, I think get really, I don't want to say, I, I think it gets tricky. Um, and like you were saying, like, I think we're in a phase right now where it's like open editions are amazing and we're going to go back to a phase where that's, it's not going to seem as good. And I think you're dead on. Like if, if you're trying to start a community, you want to start your community, you, you got to build a community slowly, like get 50 people, then get a hundred people, then get you know, a thousand people. If you just do an open edition from day one, like you don't know those people, you're not, it's it's harder to build a rapport with them. Um, so it's a long way of saying, I, I, think it, I think it's really interesting for music and I think the jury's still out in other forms. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if you're gonna do it, it has to be novel. Like I love, shout out to Jack Butcher, what he's doing you know, from visualized value with checks that that works in part because of the game theory is novel of people thinking through the game mechanics of burning and, and getting like a different edition and things like that but if you're just gonna like put something out there i mean it's listen it's it, for each to each their own what their what their goals are with it um but we've seen how this how this ride yeah. ends i want to pull on something you said around you know the goal of music nfts because maybe it would be helpful for the audience to kind of define what you see as like the type of music NFTs because Hume Genesis to, you know, from my vantage point is, is more or less like an access membership card, but there are a bunch of different types of music NFTs that exist under that, that umbrella. How do you see the spectrum of music? NFTs? I wish, uh, I wish our, the King of music NFTs Cooper was here to take uh, yeah, I'll, give I'll, I'll give, I see, let me think about this for a second and make sure I'm not answering it like too simply. Yeah, I think there's, there's really two types out there right now is you have music NFTs that are built for collecting, which are incredible. Um, you're seeing a lot of those on sound. And I think those do have a lot of longevity because going back to everything we were just talking about, like the nature of what music communities are like and a music NFT being able to signal this early fandom. And then for the artists to be able to know who their super fans are based on how many of those music NFTs they own. And I think that's a very powerful relationship. So there's like, 
music NFTs for the purpose of like collection and creating super fandom. Then I think there's things that look more like the Hume Genesis, look more like, you know, maybe Kingship. Uh, Roki, I think, has a version of this, which has like some type mm-hmm. of Genesis pass, which is a way of identifying who those super fans are really early on. And in our case, letting you have some type of say in the actual direction of the artist. And I, I think the reason you're seeing it more from, you're seeing those kind of like access passes come more, like even a, probably a label was like more of an access pass music NFT. And I think you need for it to be that type of music NFT. It needs to come from a larger entity that's trying to have multiple things under it. Where if I'm just an, if I'm a singular artist and I try and have some type of pass like that, it can be limiting. Like it's more in my interest to have as many people creating, uh, collecting music NFTs as possible and then for me to like continue to feed people with my music because you never want an artist to stop this is where it goes back to like you don't want a music artist to have like a super capped supply because like how are they going to build a fan base if they do that and artists music artists need large fan bases in a different way like you're not going to be getting 10 million streams 50 million 100 million streams one day on spotify amazon music wherever if you're only telling these like your music nft holders like i'm only selling 10 because you really you want to get that as as big as you can so those are the two i think like we have these music singular music nfts for that are built to be collected and then there are passes that come from these larger entities that have different models they're building within that entity which open up lots of possibilities but yeah you don't want a singular artist having that kind of pass because it it's gonna stop their growth i think yeah yeah i agree i think there's there's also a layering that happens when you can kind of combine those two depending on the type of nfts that you own so last week i had music ben uh from billboard on and we were talking about effectively releasing nfts to meet the audience where they are to meet the collector where they are so you have your maybe it's an open edition or a very large edition at a very low or free price point as a way for someone to collect something almost like a poster as i've heard uh punk 9529 talk about and then you can like go up in in value if you will from there maybe it's access what have you and then at the very top you have like one of ones that are kind of like your you know your mona lisas on on chain and being able to create those so i think there is like you can combine them in some respects as well yeah i see i see that but i just think what's gonna be easier to explain to large amounts of people is like Sure, you, you can have like those one of one moments, but if I was yeah. explaining this to my brother who isn't really into Web three, he's not like anti, you know, but he only knows about it from me. Sure, I'm like, you should keep collecting these because one day collecting or because access, like yeah. one day Miha is gonna have uh, a crazy concert, and if you have like 
and she's going to say whoever has like collected the most of my music NFTs is, you know, gets to go backstage or angel baby does the same thing. Like that's something people can really wrap their heads around. That's singular versus. Yeah. It's fair. I don't know. I think in there's so many, again, the design space in web three is so limitless that we Mm -hmm. sometimes are inventing like so much. And, and the super fans are going to love that. But I think thinking about like what's going to make sense for most people is, is the way to go. I, mean, I don't know. It's just my yeah. no, there a lot in like the last cool. like three months is like, how do we make this so that I could explain this to someone on the street and they're going to be excited about this? Yeah. It's a, it's a very, very fair point of how can you distill the most basic narrative that will reach the most amount of people and they'll get it. Like they can explain it in a couple words. So it's like NFTs are collecting or access. Cool. I get it. Done. <laughs> like don't need to use any more brain space on this. You talked a little bit earlier about to date how Angel Baby had only released on web three, whether that is music NFTs or like, and then on Audius and how you're going to be expanding into web two, what do you see as like both the opportunity and the challenges related to going into a traditional web two release? The opportunity I'll make, you know, simple. And I've said it in like a lot of ways is bringing more people into angel baby's world that we haven't been able to reach. The challenges are there's, there's a couple challenges and a lot of them actually come on the business side, trying to get the distributors and the DSPs. And for those who don't know what it like, a DSP is like Spotify um, yeah. to understand what the project is and understand that here's a very simple example. There have been converse, usually DSPs don't want any of the music out before it is officially released. Now in our world, there's a lot of power in all of our fans going to the spot, choosing the song, which technically now there's a place on the internet where the song in its entirety entirety can be heard. And then minting that and owning it because now when it comes out on DSPs and Spotify and all that, I'm listening to a song that I own and that's really cool and I'm probably gonna stream it. Explaining that to DSPs and why they should like get out of their very like mindset that makes sense in a lot of ways. Like I know why they think that, but like, no, it's okay that our fans have listened to the song. They're still going to want to stream it on Spotify. Like I promise you, they're not going to want to go to like their open C wallets or like sound XYZ wallets and like exclusively stream it here. Um, Those kinds of nuances have been what the challenges are and kind of like merging web three and web two. And then the other one on the web, more web three side is everything in web three is like hyper fast. Like we're just, it's like, yeah. Oh, we chose the song. Let's do the mint the next day, throw it on Audius. Like how many streams are we getting? Let's get everybody tweeting about it. Everybody hop in the discord. We're doing this. Like web three moves super fast. I don't want to say that, the you know traditional entertainment industry moves slowly but it definitely moves slower than web3 and one and there's also just there's processes in place for how a song is 
properly released. And one example of that is typically, you know, to give your song like the best chance for playlisting and to, you know, get out to the widest audiences, you usually want to upload the song to Spotify, for example, like six weeks before the release. So in our case, that means like our community is going, they're choosing what song is going to get released. They're minting the music NFT. And then we're like, all right, we know what song we're, we're running with. And then we have to take that and now go into the six week process of like, okay, let's get this into Spotify. Let's get this, you know, hopefully playlisted. Let's make content around it, which is a lot different than like, yo, song, like here's the song we're minting, the song's out, streaming on Audius, it went to number one. Like that process is just going to be longer because it, it has to be longer if we want to see the first kind of like web three artists, you know, human, virtual, anything, take that leap. And I think we've been trying to, you know, do Twitter spaces, hop in the Discord and really educate our community on what, the traditional release schedule looks like and how that's usually done so that also we don't want our community to suddenly be like, what, like what's taking so long? Like, why are you like, what are you guys, are you guys not doing anything over there? And it's like, no, we're actually like moving as quickly as we can, but just it's, you have to give it at least six weeks minimum just because that's how this process works. I think that's broadly applicable to, web three projects that are going through this maturation where they're interacting with the traditional world. Like a good way to think about this for the audience is web three is kind of like a speedboat. Yes. You've got a couple of people on it. You highly maneuverable, you know, you're not going the longest distance, but like you can move fast. A web two launch of really anything is a like massive ship. Like it's a tanker. <laughs> like you've got, all these different teams that need to get involved, all these different stakeholders and dependencies. It is slow, but it is reliable. It can go very, it's meant to go go very, very long distances. It's meant to go far. And so marrying the two of them and being able to understand like, yes, some of these things we can do on our own very quickly, but like you can't go, you can't go far with it. And the other one is like, it's going to take a bit more time. It's something that like I, I see on my end at Doodles. I see it across, you know, a bunch of different projects that are now like, okay, we're, we're stepping up into the big leagues. We're going to reach out and we're, we're establishing, you know, whether it's partnerships or what have you, they take a long time. Yeah, you're <laughs> so not just like, it not is just like DMing yeah. someone and being like, Hey, should we collab? And they're like, yeah, like let's do yes, it. Exactly. Let's do the allow list like Monday. Like that's not going to work with like a, you know, massive company, you have to build rapport, build a reputation. And yeah, it's a whole different, I love your, I love that. Yeah, I love, like, why don't you I love do that speedboat <laughs> tanker analogy. Also like, yeah, everybody in Web3 is just like gunning that speedboat as fast as you can. Even when the waves are like massive, people are still like, exactly. let's go. Why can't we go faster? Yeah. Why can't we go faster? Um, I want to make sure I want to ask a couple more questions. I know we're at time, but there, there are two things I definitely wanted to dive into. One, you recently acquired block tones. Gino is a great friend of mine. And so I was very excited to see that. Can you talk a little bit about that acquisition? What went into it and what is the future of block tones within Hume? Yeah. I mean, we've known Gino. We actually met Gino through fluff world. I think the first time I met Gino in person was at the angel babies performance at 
are buzz on from from the start like loved gino as an artist loved him as a person he's also just a great personality and i don't know if gino's listening and if he would he wouldn't get mad if i said this Un- underneath the the bravado gino's also just like a great human to to work to work with you you know you know very well yeah um and then i started to see like what he was doing with block tones and what i loved about it was he was really embracing and block tones really embraces what you know i i think like open open ip and like this idea that ip should be open ip should be transferable um and doing it for the music space which is pretty revolutionary and when i think about and the reason like i started to think about like how this applies to hume and we'll go like really big picture here but when i think of hume in a a decade from now or maybe five years from now but your when you think of hume you will think of meta stars and virtual artists and eventually he might even be a place where like the, the best virtual artists in the world will will come whether they're ones that you know like angel baby or cleo or ones that we meet out out in the world and when you think when you look at generative music when you look at ai which they, they are separate but it's going to be really powerful if i'm a if i'm at home and i'm trying to make my virtual artist and i can grab a beat i can grab a block tone and then I maybe I buy a clone and now I like put those things together and now I've got like my virtual artist rocking in a day, all using like that, you know, clones, maybe an, an ape, like all using IP that I can just like buy, put together and now I own. That's really powerful. And when I saw, when we saw like that with what they were doing with block tones, we we're like, this actually fits into the ethos we believe in at Hume and how we see things evolving and how we see virtual artists evolving. And then on top of that, as many people know, like Gino's worked, you know, closely with us on the music side, uh, on the A&R side. So being able to bring Gino just further into the fold on the music side is also really, really exciting to us. And Mike, who's a co-founder, has some pretty incredible 3d chops on his side he's done live shows with some of the biggest names and in entertainment so being able to like work with both of them more consistently and then also just i think there's a lot of power in that black tones collection and yeah i mean you even see it with like what we released today like rio and angel baby are doing a song on top of a black tones beat that song was like the the beat was ready to go like scooped up the beat right and like you're able to go make a song and in this world where content's getting quicker and where i think there's going to be tons of virtual artists having you know nft beats that you can just like that are radio ready like and one of one and incredible that you can just buy and then write a hook on top of and put out that's very powerful it is, and it was a natural fit as soon as I heard about it. So credit to, to both of you guys on getting that done, and I'm excited to see where it goes. It perfectly leads me into my second to last question because I'm going to ask you what your one big idea is. I've listened to the pod before. We ask every guest like what their one big idea is they want to leave with the audience. But before I get to that, AI. So we kind of 
briefly touched base on it and this idea of you know, AI and, and virtual avatars and, and everything, there's a counter narrative that is you know happening in the space right now, or rather just a discussion around is AI a net positive for creatives? And I think you find people on both sides of that debate of is this taking work away from able-bodied humans? Yeah, obviously you're building an entire company that is focused on you know, really highlighting these virtual meta stars. So what, how have you thought about the role of, of AI and how it will play with, with humans in the, in the future? Someone on our team, I was either two weeks ago or a week ago, said that AI is not going to replace designers. It's going to replace designers who don't fully embrace AI. And I think he's spot on you know when we're looking at it on our you know we're playing with how can the how can you maybe like use ai to help with mixing and mastering how can you use ai to like quickly come up with ideas on the music side but especially on the visual side so i actually think to make something excellent like what's the bar the bar's excellent content um if anybody bob Iger did that he's the ceo of disney like did this amazing podcast with A16 a couple Oh, it's so, so good. And his yeah. whole thing is like the best con he was like, we don't even care about distribution. Like the best content will rise to the top. And I think with AI, you could argue like that's going to be even more true because you're going to have people generating ideas quickly with AI, but the people that then take that mood board or that like idea that was instantly created and then make it something like 5X crazier and more creative versus anybody who's gonna be able to just like go prompt something into AI, that's gonna become the bar for excellent content. And I think on top of that, like you're gonna be able to do it, you're, you are gonna be able to create excellent content faster, um, which is, which honestly is the truth of like technology in general. Like, Photoshop allowed people to edit photos faster. Like go, going digital from film allowed people to edit photos faster. So I'm not, I, I, I think the jury is still out on how it exactly affects people on a day-to-day -day basis. But I, I do firmly believe like you're gonna still have the best content that rises to the top will have a ton of human ingenuity behind it, especially in a world where anybody can go type a crazy prompt into an AI. I, I agree entirely, and it has never benefited anyone to shy away from technology and, and not embrace it and figure out how to best you know, in, like take advantage of it. I recently saw something on Twitter that, that was apparently there were these people called talkies which they would show up at silent films and they would like sing over, they were the soundtrack. Like they would be in the mm -hmm. front of the movie and they would sing and engage and what have you. And then we moved from the silent film era to, you know, the, having audio within uh, films. And it was like massive riots took place all over the country. Unions started forming, like a bunch of people were, were rioting against it. And obviously, you know, how that turned out. Most people probably have not heard of these talkies. <laughs> it just goes to show that like, yes, it's uncomfortable. 
technology is usually uncomfortable, change is uncomfortable, but it usually takes us to a better place if we embrace it and learn how to use it. And those that do that earlier will be at a competitive advantage. And to your point, still requires humans to use all this stuff. So that's, that's the biggest thing is like you, I mean, look at video games, right? Like it's not just like a a digital thing that's up on your screen. There are hundreds of people that have to create. Also, it only took what, I don't know how many, it took a couple months for people to already start releasing, like how to tell if this was generated by AI thing. I saw a bunch of those coming on the, like the last few weeks. So it seems like so shocking right now, but we're going to start to like, people are going to start to like have an eye of like, that was AI. You're going to like throw it into something and you're going to know, and then you're going to see like crazy things that combine like eight different tools and mediums built by humans using AI that just come up with amazing creative. I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's actually something that Raul Paul brought up with Carly at on overpriced JPEGs last week. There's going to be an entire industry of verification that, that, sprouts up from this, this idea of, and I think blockchain is going to be at the center of it, being able to verify who it, like you're talking to who you say you're mm-hmm. talking to. The content is verified because right now, like before AI, we have a massive misinformation problem. And so being able to credi- credibly identify and verify information and people is going to be like a big wave and whoever can crack that code, I mean, that's going to be at the yeah. center of, of everything we do in the future. Hundred percent. All right, David. Well, I know we went over time. Before I let you go, one, where can people find you? Shout out the socials, and then two, why don't you leave everyone with your your one big idea for the audience? Uh, socials. I'm gonna give th- follow We Are Hume. Follow at Angel Baby and me. You can find uh, at DB thirty forty five on Twitter. Um, my one big idea. I don't. I don't know if this. I don't know what the one big idea is. Uh, always are, but I'm gonna. I, I said this recently. It's something I like Googled for all of three hours ten years ago, but it's been popping in my head recently. It has nothing to do with Web three. And if somebody's listening that knows way more about this than I do, I am highly encouraged. I would love someone to like fully figure this out. But if we could harness lightning bolts for renewable energy, it would be like some of the cleanest, like purest energy we've ever had. It would solve a bunch of our problems. It is above my pay grade to figure out how, or like above my, like where I'm at in life and the direction I have personally taken to figure out like how to like harness the power of a lightning bolt into a battery that can properly store that energy and then distribute it. But if you could, I believe like one lightning bolt could power most U.S. cities for it's like at least a day. So imagine like a storm happens, you get all those, all that energy, like you're powering the world if we, if we figure this out. So that's my one big crazy idea that has nothing to do with Web3, but I'll leave everybody with that. If you want to go on like a Google YouTube route and just like let's let's harness some lightning bolts someone out there is gonna do it one day 
That definitely qualifies as a big idea. If you are listening and you decide that this is the endeavor that you want to go on, please check in with us. I would love to see us harness the power of Zeus. So David, can't thank you enough for your time. This has been a lot of fun. We're going to have to have you back on. Uh, And thank you everyone for listening. We'll uh, we'll catch you next week. Austin also just named that future company, Power of Zeus. Great. Power Power of of Zeus. Zeus. Mic drop. All right, see you guys. Oh,